We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Week 13 was a spectacular week, Sean, for wide receiver production, especially on the elite end, or for us, I guess, we'll say the, the players that we targeted and we drafted, uh, because this week was super, super fun so far. Obviously, we have Monday Night Football still to play out, but so far, we have 10 wide receivers with over 100 yards on the week, but that doesn't really tell the entire story. Based on the receptions, the touchdowns those guys put up, there's monster weeks all around. We'll be talking about them on today's show but as we kick off i can see there's a smile on your face sean week 13 has has not been unlucky for some here no this this was a fun week right and we're the first round of the ffpc playoffs we have a couple more weeks for teams in all these best ball contests to make the push you and i were discussing right before we started here that we have a lot of teams right on the edge and because of how unique 2022 has been where the first two rounds have been pretty loaded and otherwise there hasn't been a lot of scoring there but a lot of injuries that means the teams are clustered at the top more than we usually see not as many teams running away for, with it and that's especially true of second place column you mentioned that you had a team go from seventh into second into that playoff spot today I've got a weird team where uh, it's in one of the FFPC Superflex contests. It is in first place, has Lamar Jackson and then three rookies who don't play. So it only has one QB in a Superflex. Now it has zero QBs. Zero QB strategy. It, yeah. Yeah, bold bold <laughs> move. <laughs> we'll see if that team can hold up next week with zero quarterbacks points in a Superflex. Advance to the playoffs. Maybe Lamar Jackson will be back. It sounds like his knee injury one of the big big stories of today is not season ending but you definitely didn't get the impression that he was going to play next week either so that a developing story obviously listeners are in all kinds of home leagues where you have a couple more weeks here to make the push uh try and get one of those quarterfinal spots if you're in a semifinal only league three more weeks here we also have a lot of dynasty leagues across the fantasy universe where perhaps you're already in the playoffs because you have multi-week playoffs. Then maybe you have two divisions. You're trying to win the Super Bowl. So many different types 
of formats and contests going on right now. But regardless of the format, you were in a big game in week 13. Colin, Ben and I focused on one of our main events on one of the shows last week. And if it seems like like I've enjoyed uh, this Sunday a lot, that team put up 217 today. So pretty good. I have had a few teams score more. Once had a team score at 237 with Tavares Jackson at quarterback. You get some weird scores at times, but this was one of the biggest scores in the biggest moments. That team will be advancing to the FFPC main event finals. Another big high stakes team scored 175. I, this is not to say that it was without its warts, right? You have this week, uh, Jalen Waddle only catches one pass, more injury issues with him. You have Ken Walker go out early, hardly score any points. I mean, we've talked about one of the continuing stories throughout the season is not only are fantasy managers losing players, they're losing them early. Obviously, if you had Lamar Jackson going today, that was a massive dagger to lose him early in the Denver Broncos game. All of those things frustrating. We know our listeners probably have pretty good exposure to those guys. But Colin, as you mentioned, there were scenarios today where you could put up huge numbers of points and that part in what has been sort of a, a pedestrian season overall with scoring to have a week like today where there were, I mean, there was more than one path to putting up big scores today too. This is what fantasy is about. And for it to happen in the first round of the fantasy playoffs in some formats. And again, regardless of what you're playing in a huge, huge week, call them a lot of fun. Yeah, super fun. We've had a lot of tough weeks looking through the season in terms we talked a lot about the low scoring across the NFL, how things were playing out. But this week and last week as well, we talked about last week being a a great week in terms of uh, fantasy scoring, but this was absolutely on a different level, it feels like, compared to this season so far. And we're going to start off, Sean, with the Philadelphia Eagles, who really laid down another marker. They're 11-1 and on the season. The only blemish for them has been that one loss. And when we look at the Eagles... Jalen Hurts coming into the season, people talked about, you know, is he going to be able to pass the ball? How is that going to work with A.J. Brown, who they traded for at the time of the NFL draft? Well, today we see Jalen Hurts throw it 39 times, put up 380 yards, three touchdowns, and really doing it not with a huge amount of, I won't say it without effort, but, you know, I think they they left points on the board because they were so far advanced of what this Titans team is at this moment in time. We had A.J. Brown, eight catches 119 yards two touchdowns on 10 targets one of those touchdowns being a, a play that was almost a touchdown the play prior was really a touchdown got taken off on replay and then the next play he just you know absolutely destroys the defender <laughs> goes and gets a gets the touchdown both his touchdowns just incredible feats of athleticism and dominance in this performance today Devonte smith has five receptions 102 yards and a touchdown he looks great here both of those guys putting in massive massive performances on the other side, Sean, the one uh, both positive and disappointing note was Traylon Barks had one target, one reception for 25 yards and a touchdown on an extremely impressive play from him, but does get hit there, does end up in concussion protocol uh, on a scary, scary hit, which really felt a little bit unnecessary. I know the defender's going to try and you know knock the ball out and not let him have the touchdown, but this one felt a little bit uh, you know over the top, I think, in terms of it. But the positive, Sean, Traylon Barks gets in the end zone, but... AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and, and Jalen Hurts, and for people who have them on the rosters today, that that really charges those teams up. And 
AJ Brown is somebody who I have on a, a lot of rosters this year. I talked about the the dream one two turn being Higgins and Brown. You also mentioned Waddle and him not having a big day today. So AJ Brown was able to kind of help those teams along that that are also there with Waddle. So what was your thoughts on on the Eagles here and, and the dominance of their star players? Yeah, not surprisingly, with the score that we had, it was a Hertz AJ Brown team. This is what you want to see from the Eagles. You have a run defense that can hold them in check, slow down guys like Miles Sanders. He only carries 10 times, gains 24 yards. They do get him a touchdown late to salvage a little bit of his day. But with the running backs shut down, this was a perfect opportunity for Jalen Hurts to show what he can do through the air. Averages almost 10 yards per attempt, throws the three touchdowns. And you have guys on both sides. I mean, it's easy to focus on A.J. Brown, the 8, 1, 19, and 2. You talk about the 40-yard touchdown that got wiped off the board. It was very, very close. Probably not a score, but very close. And, you know, especially if you're playing both guys, the experience of that in the fantasy playoffs for that 40-yard touchdown, we take it off heartrending there for a moment. And then the very next play, the defensive back gets beaten, gets in his way. He runs through him. The defender gets called accurately for the penalty. All he has to do is walk into the end zone. The second touchdown doesn't have any separation at all, but manages to more or less deke the defensive back. The back never makes a play on the football. He gets his hands up at the very last second, catches that in the end zone, sort of through the body and through contact there. A.J. Brown can do it all. Good before the target, but good after the target. He's got that run after the catch ability. He can get deep. But Devontae Smith on the other side averages... 20 yards per reception today has a 34 yard score the balance that these two guys bring and they don't even have dallas goddard with them in this one in some ways i I almost like it better i mean from a fantasy perspective definitely because that's where our exposures are Devontae smith one of our main players this season that we were targeting and yet I mean, either way, there's just such great balance here. It's difficult to take both guys away, and then you get in these games where Jalen Hurts really gets flowing, and then you suddenly can't take away either of them. Whoever is open on that particular play, design the look the defense gives. Hurts is doing a fantastic job of finding them. He also gets a rushing score in this one. As you mentioned, I mean, they could have poured it on quite a bit more in the second half if they had needed to, if they sort of wanted to embarrass their opponents as the Dallas Cowboys did on Sunday night football, that would have been an option for them. You mentioned the Burks reception, and he was a tough guy to decide whether or not to play today when you have a deep roster coming off of the two really good games. We took him out. That worked out really well. But unfortunately, probably only worked out well because he does get knocked out of this game. The touchdown catch is one of the best catches you will ever see. He goes through contact, holds the ball as he gets concussed. You mentioned that it seemed like a cheap shot. I don't, and I'm putting words in your mouth a little bit right there, but you mentioned the unnecessariness of it. One of the things that the rules are trying to do, that the officials are trying to do, and the defensive backs continue to not understand is that they want you to make a play on the ball, not on the wide receiver's head. And I mean, we need to, these guys need to be ejected, right? It just, the number of flagrant dirty hits in these games, the number of players unnecessarily going to the concussion protocol because the defensive backs won't go and knock the ball down. And instead of trying to take people's heads off, it just is really, really sad. I mean, this is a hit that could 
change a player's entire career if he has any lingering issues from it. Traylon Burks looks like the second coming of AJ Brown. I mean, you can part of the, the theme of this game is that Brown is playing his former squad and humiliates them, but the Titans have to be excited about this player that they picked in his stead, a young guy who you know, once everything gets going, is going to be an absolute superstar. So the Titans don't have all their pieces today. Derrick Henry gets wiped out. This is one of the risks of having Henry a little bit. They do get the ball to him a couple times on screens, but he's not able to get loose. Only the 38 yards. It's a rough game for him in the context of what has been another very good season. The Titans really never got, you know, a rhythm at all after after Burks goes out they, that that was to tie it up at 7-7 in the the first quarter but after that then second quarter and onwards the Eagles just dominated so it could have been a slightly different game if, if Burks doesn't pick up that head injury so hopefully he will be okay and hopefully he'll be he'll be back out there and healthy soon so um we'll continue our theme though Sean of exciting rookies and it, it is hotting up we've talked about different rookie players as we've gone through the season but today I think it's probably fair to say there's there's at least two guys. One of those guys is on on my Packers. We're going to get to him on the second show of the week, but he continues to to throw up those touchdowns. But Sean, somebody who is so exciting to watch week on week on week over the last couple of weeks, and the Jets may have uh, found you know we talked about Joe Flacco at the start of the season and having Flacco in there being better than Zach Wilson well Mike White's in there and although he did throw two interceptions today he does put up 369 passing yards on 57 pass attempts but in terms of Gard Wilson he gets 15 targets today eight receptions 162 yards the separation he's getting the the trust that his quarterback is going to put those balls up to him I seen an interview after today's game with Gard Wilson and he was really hyping up Mike White in terms of being his guy so uh, I thought this year was just a sensational performance by a rookie wide receiver. They do lose this game by five points. They have a chance towards the end to try and go in the lead. They don't make it happen. But this was based, basically built on the, the shoulders of Garrett Wilson for them to have any opportunity. They lose 27-22 to the Minnesota Vikings. Who I've mentioned Sean a number of times that I feel like they are not the real deal, although they are 10-2 and two at this point on the season. Kirk Cousins, 170 three passing yards one touchdown that one touchdown go to Justin Jefferson who is seven for 45 and the touch but overall Dalvin Cook having a nice game here Madison gets in the end zone on only three rush attempts but the the, the story here is for me Garrett Wilson it has to be I mean if they had played Mike White all year we'd be talking about Garrett Wilson already in that Jamar Chase Justin Jefferson category he's just completely and, and utterly unstoppable a little bit smaller guy than jefferson but the speed that he brings to the table similar to a jamar chase gives him a chance to take it the distance on any given play this game in a lot of ways comes down to just a couple of inches he has a 60 yard reception weaves in and out some part in the middle he gets down the sidelines, barely steps out of bounds. They end up having to, at the 11-yard line, as he's pushing back in, to go for the touchdown. If he doesn't go out there, and he had been walking a tightrope. It's not something, well, you know, he stepped out when he didn't need to. Very nice play. Defenders all around him. They end up scoring a field goal on that drive. Cuts it to 2015 instead of a chance to tie the game with a two-point conversion. The 
The Vikings go down, have one of their only good drives of the second half immediately. Following that, they go up 27-15. to 15. That puts the Jets then in a lot of difficulty in terms of how they're going to be able to come back. What they do, though, is Donovan Knight has a 48-yard run down the sideline, and even though they hand off on first and 10 with a little over eight minutes to go in the game, trailing by multiple scores because he rips off basically a 50-yard run, they're able to score very, very quickly force a three and out, then they have a 14-play drive, 83 yards, where they end up losing the ball on downs. Head coach, you know, very calm, gets everybody to the side, says we're going to stop the Vikings here instantly, have a chance to come back, and they do. And then White gets picked for the second time at the end of the game there. So very close to a different outcome here. One of the interesting stats from this one, you mentioned that you think the Vikings – you know, maybe don't deserve their record. And I think they probably don't deserve their record, but when you have a bunch of close wins against teams that are good, and some of the teams that they like the New York Jets, now that the Jets have moved to Mike White, this is a power team. So beating them in any way, shape, or form, I think is a good win with the caveat that the Jets outgained them by 199 yards in this game. And they average more than a yard and a half more per play. So from that perspective, again, the Jets probably should have won this game. There actually is another Mike White pass that looked like it should have been picked and is dropped to Minnesota Vikings come together, knock the ball away from each other. So there were a handful of mistakes from White in this game. But when you have a guy who hasn't played a ton and is being asked to come from behind, throw 57 passes to have three that were problematic and you know a couple that arguably cost his team the game, well, you're going to have to live with that <laughs> because – there were so many just virtuoso types of heaves in this one. You still love to get Elijah Moore a little bit more involved. He had a couple of plays that were close. I mean, he's got to do a better job. He had a, a nice route going to the sideline. Nice throw from Mike White where Elijah Moore shows that athleticism, goes flying through the air, plucks the ball out of the air. But even though he's not even that close to the sideline at that point, by the time he comes down, because of the freakish athleticism, he only ends up getting one foot in. I mean, you've got to be able to know your own body in space and get back down. One of the other elements we talked about a lot, and Ben and I also did a show basically on Zana the night last week. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it and you're interested in what we had to say on him, you can check that out. He was also the star of the Zero RB playbook at the end of last week. My article on the site but Knight has five targets, catches all of them for 28 yards. Ty Johnson, seven targets. I love what Mike White is doing because when you can unlock both the receivers, but then you check down very effectively to the running backs. I and mean, one of the things that you notice, it's just for fantasy managers, this is fantasy gold to get these 12 targets to the running backs, but also just efficient offense. And you're moving down the field, you're getting everybody involved. Tyler Conklin managers might be disappointed that on his seven targets, he only catches two for nine yards. But if you can unlock all of the guys here that's just absolutely huge for this offense the jets do fall to seven and five they have a difficult schedule remaining with so many of these afc east matchups where you have the patriots you have the dolphins you have obviously the buffalo bills but this is a scary and fun team and column we're now at the point where all of those off-season like half serious half joking shows and drafts we did where we said we're building our rosters for week 17 jets seahawks obviously some fun comments in the youtube section about all of those drafts 
called Jets Seahawks starting to look like a week 17 matchup that everybody is going to wish they had a part of. Yeah, I think uh, it started off as a little bit of a kind of ongoing joke, but we did love those players on, on both of the rosters. Unfortunately, Brees Hall is injured, but I think it's pairing up to be quite good in week 17, Sean, and we're going to get in here in a second to the win bet segment of today but looking at the wide receivers this is how i'm going to pair it all together you mentioned or we talked there about guard wilson he finished with 162 yards no touchdowns eight receptions for him he was the second highest wide receiver in terms of yards on the week the the other one of those is Devonte adams he came on top but there's two of the top five who we're going to talk about next year and that is tyler lockett and dk metcalf and it also pairs into i guess we'll call it the win bet dream week 17 scenario of the day as we we move in here but you can sign up to win bet today to receive a special sports offer you can bet 100 win 100 download the win bet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning but sean week 17 is a couple of weeks away we we don't want to get ahead of ourselves yet but those rosters that have geno smith on them who we we were quite interested in I'll say in the offseason but DK Metcalf was was one of the players that I started to take quite a strong stand on but today again we talked about AJ Brown there's some of the plays when those guys make them that they can dominate defenders in a way that uh, other players just can't just based on their their physicality and and their their size all around but he does not lead this team in receiving in this game it is Tyler Lockett he gets 12 targets nine receptions 128 yards one touchdown but he does go just one yard less on eight targets eight receptions 127 yards and one touchdown in this game that leads to Geno Smith having a a huge day 367 yards three touchdowns one interception averaging 9.4 yards per attempt on 39 attempts you mentioned Kenneth Walker going out not been really active in the game just three rush attempts for him dj dallas kind of leading the way along with uh, tony jones jr sean everything was kind of going right for us today at certain points we even have our our guy noah fant getting five targets four receptions 42 yards and a touchdown this was a real fun game from the seahawks side my my fear was always that the rams wouldn't be able to keep this one close they did more than keep it close they really scared the seahawks in this one that dk metcalf touchdown towards the end sealing it here for the seahawks but cam Akers gets two touchdowns 17 carries 60 yards they do have john walford a quarterback not a huge amount happening from his side that leads to not much happening through the passing game we know that they are just at this point you know ransacked i guess by injuries in terms of their overall roster but the seahawks here and Geno Smith continue to be a really, really fun team to watch and to to root for, which that was something uh, that I haven't rooted very much for the, the Seattle Seahawks over my time watching the NFL, Sean, but it's hard not to uh, when, when they're playing like this. It is hard not to. And Gino, you're seeing that arm strength and deep accuracy that he demonstrated as a collegiate player. They got you a little bit excited for him back in the day, obviously failed to start. And I think that, this isn't going to be the first situation we see over the next 10 to 15 years where a player who failed originally sticks with it and comes back strong later on in his career when he gets a shot. I mean, this is just another day where Geno Smith drafted uh, the year the zero RB article came out, Sean, 2013. It's going up to his 10 year anniversary here. It was a good year, and Geno Smith, somebody I did like and probably still biased from some of those initial reviews but yeah i mean 
we thought he was going to actually be pretty decent this season, but he's been better than oh. that. I mean, 367 yards today. And one of the things that, that you mentioned is that you love to see a quarterback and a play caller who know who their good players are. I mean, we've gone through stretches this season and even a little bit with the Seahawks from time to time where everything seems to be disguised. Everything seems to be gadget. Everything seems to be, okay, well, the pre-snap read is telling us that the opposing defense is going to defend our good players. So, you know, let's throw to the third tight end. We've talked for years about let Russ cook and we've uh, wondered what the situation was. Maybe Pete Carroll just, you know, had seen these visions of what was going to happen to Russell Wilson and uh, he's letting Geno Smith cook instead. Yeah, I don't, I, uh, that whole thing, <laughs> whole thing has kind of happened aside of where we are with, I mean, we obviously want the Seahawks to pass like we want other teams to pass it, this is one of the the i i think that we're in the midst of the craziest sports story that we've seen in a long long time for this trade to be so skewed in favor of the seahawks and again i mean that was my original take was i can't believe this is a great trade for the seahawks and it was panned but i mean we didn't think it was going to go remotely like this. I mean, because that would have been ridiculous. I mean, if you actually thought it was going to work out like this, then you haven't been following football. Right? We like to be optimistic, but we also like to be realistic. Well, I mean, you've got to have some evidence on your side. The idea, again, that Russell Wilson would go to the Broncos and collapse. I mean, if that were the case, then we wouldn't have any of the Jerry Judy shares. But again, in this game, 20 targets to Lockett and Metcalf combined. That's what you want to see. And, you know, deep targets, underneath targets. You have a 40-yard catch for Metcalf. You have a 36-yard catch for Tyler Lockett. Just absolutely perfect, too. And I really think, you look at Noah Fant, he is, we talk about playing off of the stars and, and looking at what the opposing defense is going to give you. He scores the touchdown early when he does get wide open in the end zone. He also has a long run after the catch or sort of catch and run play later in the game. Maybe it's just that we still have plenty of exposure to Fant in some best ball teams that are going to make it through. And then obviously exposure to Fant in dynasty and would love for them to bring him along in this offense. He looked so good today that I do hope that they kind of make the adjustment and decide to use him. But Geno Smith coming through, and I mean, this is not a great Seahawks defense or even really a, a decent Seahawks defense. So they're going to keep teams in it, like the Rams, who, you know, passed for 170 hours today. I mean, John Wolford completes 14 passes, throws two picks, and yeah, they had the lead late to win this game, right? They rushed for 171 yards. I think you've got to give Sean McVay some credit for like somehow pulling some things together here. They have 171 rushing yards in a game where Cam Akers averages 3.5 yards per carry. And if you told people before the game that they're going to rush like this, I think that Kyron Williams managers would be pretty excited about what would happen. He has three carries for nine yards. And they somehow managed to put together an offense and put together different drives, even though they have no talent out on the field and they have no individual stat lines that jump out to you at all cam Akers go for for 60 yards he's the only skill player to crest 50 right and yet they're still in this game so the seahawks a lot of warts and at the same time that's going to be great for smith he's going to need to pass a lot it is very unfortunate i think the deal with kenneth walker he had carried three times and you know, had a 30 yard rush in there 
one of the storylines of him last week is that he had a lot of negative rushing plays. I would say that that probably and almost assuredly is just fluky. You look at the rush talent he brings to the table. I mean, maybe there's a element here where as a young player, he does need to realize that you're not going to be able to go out every single play and beat NFL defenses the way you would college defenses. You can't put yourself in a situation where you're going to have some of these negative runs, but the balance here of what he's been able to do and the big place he's been able to generate, if they don't have him that does make the Seahawks offense one dimensional in a way that will be unfortunate. But again, I mean, the story here is Geno Smith throwing for almost 400 yards and having a magnificent game. Yeah, so in terms of how we started the show off, this isn't by design, Sean, but we started off with Jalen Hurts, then we went to Mike White, then we went to Geno Smith. We're going to go to the, the quarterback who threw the fourth most yards on the day, and that is Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions. Goff goes for 340 yards, two touchdowns on 41 attempts, averaging 8.3 yards per attempt. DeAndre Swift, I thought, looked pretty good today. He's been worked in a little bit more over the, the last few weeks, but he gets 14 carries today, which is uh, a positive sign. Jamal Williams gets 11. Jamal Williams continues to get his one-yard rushing touchdown or more per week. Gets into the end zone with that attempt, but we do get um, 14 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown for Swift. I thought pretty impressive, and the majority of them had a nice catch and run as well for 24 yards. He had four receptions for 49 yards through the air. Big game for DJ Chark against his former team in the Jaguars here. Five for 98 on six targets. I thought he looked to have some of that explosiveness back. He was one of our favorites maybe two to three years ago when we were talking through some of these players. I'm on Ross St. Brown, though, Sean, is a superstar. He was the league winner down the stretch last year. He is probably the league winner down the stretch again this year. You mentioned on a, the recent show that we were given thanks for different players at thanksgiving that you were thankful for amon ross st brown i'm sure you're even more thankful for him after week 13 12 targets 11 receptions 114 yards two touchdowns he goes out in this for a short time with a look to be a chest injury comes back in though helps lead the team to to some more points on the opposite side the the big concern during this game just before halftime trevor lawrence gets kind of rolled up on looked pretty severe at the time but he does come back and plays in the, the second half but he doesn't have as productive a day as he has been having just 179 yards one touchdown for him 31 pass attempts sean i mentioned 179 yards christian kirk got 104 of them six receptions so he's the one bright spot kind of on the jacksonville side but i'm on ross st brown is just next level at this point he is he is in that top tier wide receivers yeah, I mean, probably maybe, right. Maybe, the, maybe the top at the tier, back end, the top but... tier is pretty separated. You've got the absolute superstars up there, but I mean, twelve targets, catches eleven of them, gets open at will anywhere that he wants on the field, runs after the catch, scores touchdowns, scores touchdowns in an offense with the Detroit Lions here, where Jared Goff is pulling the trigger. Another game today where Goff throws for you know forty-one times, completes more than thirty passes averages 8.3 yards per attempt so it's not like something where you know they're down and he's got a bunch of garbage time yards or you know coming from behind types of yards i mean this is just simply them going out and eviscerating a jacksonville team that has similar intentions or dreams objectives in terms of the current season that the lions had the problem both of these teams have a long way to go on defense but the jaguars in some games like this let you know just how far away they are it also kind of hammers home what a bad loss the ravens suffered to them last week 
The Ravens able to escape their game today, but weren't able to do that last week with the Jaguars. Suddenly the Lions look very talented again. One of the things that's interesting here when you're talking about Jerry Goff and you're talking about some different fantasy formats is that he's a, a very controversial player in Superflex Dynasty because obviously the quarterbacks and the quarterbacks in that sort of 13 to 24, even you might say like 17 to you know, 28 range, still quite a bit of value if you have the right ones. And if you have someone who's ascending, if you have someone who could play for quite a long time, one of the reasons that Jerry Goff and Daniel Jones were consistent targets for us over the last several years, and then definitely again this year, is that if they were able to hit, then you have this interesting window where, I mean, Goff's still in his 20s right and a game like this gives him a chance to keep the job because number one he played so well and number two you know, now you're really pushing the lions out of the range where they're going to get one of those top picks the lions could go on a roll here if they had managed to pull off that big upset on thanksgiving against the bills and they were right there then they would be six and six they've had other games like that they had games with the Minnesota Vikings with the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, they've been right there with the best teams in football for them to put a real beating on the Jaguars. I mean, yeah, the, the size of the margin and how easily they dominated the second half of this game, surprising and yet something that, based on what we've seen in the past, you can easily understand. And if Swift starts to get healthy, it really helps them. Jamal Williams has been someone who got them across when they were struggling so much this year. He's really established himself as sort of a, a poor man's James Conner and that he can score those one-yard touchdowns. As you mentioned, there is something to be said for having a guy who is willing to hammer and drive the legs, especially when you have an offensive line, the capability of the Detroit Lions. I mean, that's a, a weapon there when you are strong in short yardage, but the difference between Williams and DeAndre Swift night and day, both as a runner and then especially as a receiver here. Swift getting the 62 rushing yards and the touchdown, that part is great, especially because they allowed him to get a rushing touchdown as opposed to getting that one to Jamal Williams as well. But on his six targets, he catches four. He goes for 49 yards. Looks just absolutely fantastic there. I mean, there's a possibility that he really almost gets pigeonholed as a little bit more of a receiving back. I think when you are trying to work through dynasty trades you have to consider his injury history when you're looking at where you're going to pick him next year i think the one two turn is going to be pretty rich when we consider how many good players there are now and, and just how big the tier breaks are if you're talking about the first two rounds being loaded and then the rest of drafts being a wasteland i mean can you risk a pick on someone like swift at the same time if we're talking about two years from now and swift being austin eckler i don't think that would surprise anybody i mean that's the skill set that he has and the Detroit Lions now, when you talk about having to defend Amon Ra, a great game for DJ Chark, they no longer have TJ Hawkinson, but Jamison Williams, the other kind of footnote to this game, he plays for the first time, does get a target. You know, it's unfortunate to start your career with a goose egg, but this isn't going to be remotely the last time that we hear from Jamison Williams. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, great to have him activated, back, healthy, ready to go. And some of those rosters, Sean, some of those best ball teams, we talked about it was obviously a risk to draft him because we didn't know if he would definitely be back this season we still don't know what his impact would be but for people who may have drafted him got themselves into that playoff position he could be a very exciting player to have down the stretch as we've talked about some of the rookies on today's show it'll be interesting to see if he has that impact over the playoff stretch here and those best ball leagues that, that we talked about so much in the off season moving to the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals Sean the big story here obviously as we get the Jamar Chase back he had Missed a number of weeks with the hip injury, but back now he gets eight targets, seven receptions, and 97 yards. Had a long 40 in this one. And 97 yards and seven receptions doesn't seem spectacular, but there was some incredible plays in these. There's there's a there's a play where he actually steps out of bounds with one-handed catch, which was a, a hugely athletic play. Obviously, doesn't count anything in the box score, but I thought overall he looked to be pretty much 100% to what we would expect him to be. Tyler Boyd has 60 yards receiving in this four receptions has a really really bad drop in the end obviously the Bengals win so it hasn't cost the team the game but that would have been a, a much different week for people who have started him in fantasy but he had a couple of down weeks recently so maybe there wasn't as many starting him as, as there would have been previously some ICP Ryan Sean another nice day in the absence of Joe Burrow he has 106 running rush he has 106 rushing yards and 21 attempts paired that with seven targets six receptions 49 yards through the air t higgins gets in the end zone not a huge amount outside of that for him talking about bad drops my mvs had a bad drop as well in this one really should have had a touchdown goes two for 71 on six targets for him pacheco pretty solid day all around but i guess sean my talking point in this would be obviously jamar chase is back and p ryan look good travis kelsey just the six targets four receptions and 56 yards in this game was it a case for you that the the Bengals did everything they could to just take away Travis Kelsey or or was this something uh different I think it's a little bit of both I mean Patrick Mahomes only gets 27 pass attempts in this game you know it, anytime that you're averaging over eight yards per attempt with a touchdown no picks against the defense the caliber of the Bengals there's nothing from the quarterback perspective it's it's funny here that when you look at the QBR specifically his QBR much better than Joe Burrow's I would argue that that demonstrates very clearly the flaws <laughs> with that metric because Joe Burrow wins the game for his team not just 
as a passer, which the QBR is taking into account, but by rushing 11 times for 46 yards, consistently bailing the team out there. I mean, these are two of the four best teams in football. Maybe if you want to include the Dallas Cowboys who run pretty hot and cold, and I think have to prove in the postseason and with their consistency with their quarterback play in big moments that they belong in the same category as the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, and a Philadelphia Eagles team that I think has proved where they are in the course of this season. But this line for Travis Kelsey, where he has six targets, four receptions, 56 yards, I guess I'm just surprised that there aren't more of those. Now, I don't mean that that, that that should be his average or anything to that effect, but when he is so clearly the driver of this offense, when he is the transcendent superstar, you're going to have a lot of the big games that he has had, but you should also have a few of these duds sprinkled in because the opposing defense should take him away. And to have so many of these games where there is no dynamism from the receivers, this is another game where you have no targets for either Sky Moore or obviously Kadarius Tony, who's out again with the hamstring pull. So if you don't have those two players involved, then you know the other guys are not going to win it. And you can take the risk with someone like MVS and he does get the long catch here a 42 yarder but with the six targets and you mentioned the drop he looked absolutely awful again you have to take Travis Kelsey away Kelsey loses the game when it looked like the Chiefs actually were going to go ahead and you know more or less clinch it with the big fumble I mean he's not going to fumble that often you're not looking at him and saying he's necessarily the goat but it should be a situation where teams take him out more than they have you can look at the other side and say, I mean, T. Higgins has a huge touchdown and a huge catch toward the end that do seal the game for them, but he only goes three for 35 in this one. The same thing the Chiefs have done to Higgins here. I mean, you just have to have more games like that from Travis Kelsey. It's hard to understand what opposing defenses are doing. Not hard to understand what the Bengals did in this one. Personally, as a fan, I wish it had gone the other way, but this was a fantastic game to watch. Even on the final drive there, where the Chiefs have opportunities to get the stop, force a field goal, be down six with the ball in Mahomes' hands, you expect the Chiefs to go ahead and win the game in that moment, even with the Bengals having a quality defense, but the individual skill players for the Bengals fighting to the last breath on so many of these individual plays where they were walled off by the defense and they managed to punch through despite that. The other little note here, and again, we're very, very biased on this. We have a lot of P run exposure, hardly any Joe Mixon exposure, but this was another game where it's not to the extent that we have with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, where for years now, Pollard has demonstrated that he should be the one a and Elliott, the one B I don't think it's the case with Joe Mixon where he's on the clear decline like Elliott, but it's also not a case where he's been as good as Elliott. Even a declining Elliott is still probably a better player than Joe Mixon. Samashe P. Ryan just looks better. His line and his performance, he averages five yards per carry in this one. He catches six of his seven targets. He's got great hands. I mean, he's a, a three down back would have been potentially even a bigger game if not for the fact that Chris Evans, I mean, not really vulturing a touchdown when you catch an eight-yard touchdown pass. I mean, that's not like being put in to, to score from six inches out. 
But their possibility here for P. Ryan to do even more, I don't think that they're going to come back and have a committee, but there's at least that risk now if you have Joe Mixon because his backup, number one, is not dealing with any of the injury elements. I This was concerning for me just from a human perspective that Mixon doesn't clear this week. You really want the player to clear, if not the first week, which it can be just too tight of a timeline you want them to clear for that second week hopefully that doesn't indicate anything there anytime that we say that we want p ryan to play and then we think that he should play it would definitely never be in a case where that's the result of mixon having any type of issue with brain health once he does come back though it just at this point it's, it's really difficult for me to see i mean number one i don't expect it to happen but just rationally i mean this should be a committee 100 percent. i thought you're going to continue there but no i 100 agree in the the committee process i think pre-round has looked very good you mentioned chris evans sean and you said the potentially the vultured chris evans is one of my uh most drafted uh running backs and those just lit round lit round lit round so i was excited like i was last week with ronald jones to see a glimpse of him this week i was excited to have one target one reception and a touchdown for for chris evans that'll help some of those teams out but yeah, P. Ryan looking good. Bengals looking good as well here. Excited to see how they now start to finish the season. Hopefully all these star players we talked about on today's show can stay healthy the rest of the way. And the final game we're going to talk about today, Sean, unfortunately, the quarterback off the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo has injured his foot. Looks like he's going to have surgery. We'll miss the rest of the season. Today, Brock Purdy came in for Jimmy Garoppolo when he got injured. That happened after just four attempts for Garoppolo. So, Purdy threw 37 times in this, completed 25 passes, 210 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. As the San Francisco 49ers win 33-17 against the Miami Dolphins. This was a bit of a weird game. We start off, we get the Miami Dolphins' first pass off the game, goes for a 75-yard touchdown to Trent Sherfield. That is the only catch for him on the day. So productive stat line, but uh, just the three targets coming his way in this one. But they do really nothing then onto the fourth quarter. They get a field goal in the second quarter. In that time, obviously, as I mentioned, Jimmy Garoppolo goes out. That leads you to the backup quarterback coming in. You think it's going to be a really tough day then for the 49ers, but it actually turns out to be a really tough day for the Miami Dolphins. We get almost 300 passing yards from Tua, two touchdowns, two interceptions from him. But you mentioned earlier in the show the fact that we just get the one reception on five targets, nine yards for Jill and Waddle, struggling a little bit with injuries in this one. No catches for Mike Gusecki, no catches for Jeff Wilson on their targets. Then the the other one, I guess, is Tyreek Hill does Tyreek Hill things. He gets 14 targets, nine receptions, 146 yards, and a touchdown. One of those being a 45-yard reception for that touchdown. Running backs don't get anything going, just eight carries on the ground for them. 33 yards rushing. The the 49ers rushing defense is, is no joke. And I kind of felt that, not to this extreme, but I felt that it'll be a tough day for the running backs coming into this one. But Sean... I'm just going to put it this way, and this is probably the way I think I want to sum it up. Tell me about Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey is fantastic, Colin. This was what we've been looking for. This is why you draft him 101. This is why you keep him on your dynasty team, even through the injuries. And as he gets a little bit older, he drops a touchdown in this game and comes back. And fortunately, both... Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy go right back to him, catches the touchdown on the next play. 
you don't have a ton of situations in the NFL where your running back ties for the lead in targets with your star wide receiver, but then also easily outdoes him in yards, catches eight of 10, goes for 80 yards, has that touchdown. Again, the reason that you would trade for him and the reason I actually think that the compensation was light is that you're getting an elite receiver in addition to an above average running back. That's a combination you really like to have there. It maybe still isn't the combination that you with Tyreek Hill. You mentioned the 14 targets, nine catches, 146 yards. I talked about teams being able to take away Travis Kelsey, or at least that they should fight to do that. Teams were able to take away Tyreek Hill a little bit last year with the Chiefs, despite the overall success that Kansas City had. Tyreek Hill in the offseason spent a lot of time explaining to everyone that you should not be able to take him away and the teams weren't going to be able to. The 49ers weren't able to take away here, and it did not matter. Some really strange stats in this one. You, when you get the two long touchdown plays like the Dolphins got, you can end up with a weird box score in the end. The Dolphins average two and a half more yards per play in this game where they get absolutely hammered. But the San Francisco 49ers, in part because they didn't have the explosive plays, but did manage to get quite a few of these long drives Purdy is able to get them a final stat line where they have eight third down conversions on 19 opportunities whereas the Dolphins were 0 for 7 the 49ers ran 34 more plays in this game the total play total 79 for the 49ers only 45 for the Dolphins this game a little bit similar to the game early in the season where the Dolphins spring the upset of the Bills, despite the Bills having the ball the entire game. In this one, they get hammered despite the backup quarterback playing. This is a cool result here for Purdy. We'll have to see what the 49ers do. It's tough to lose both quarterbacks who are in all likelihood well above average quarterbacks on a team that is a Super Bowl contender, and yet when you watch Purdy play throughout this game, it really reinforces that Garoppolo has not played that well, has not elevated the individual pieces. The part that you're looking at here, and it's just a one-game sample with a quarterback who was Mr. Irrelevant. And so you have some time to go out and practice. Things will be a little bit different. But George Kittle, his invisibility the whole season has been a constant source of frustration and I think weakness for the 49ers he only has three targets in this game only goes for 22 yards he does have a, a key conversion at one point to help a, a drive continue on when you look at this and you have 10 targets for McCaffrey 10 targets for Samuel nine targets for Ayuk at least for the most part Purdy knows where his bread is buttered and they're going through the stars which hasn't always been the case when you look back through the 49ers game logs you're going to have some chances to exploit him as the season progresses, this isn't a great Dolphins defense, and they hold him below six yards per attempt. And at the same time, it wasn't a disastrous performance when he gets a chance to practice more and they can scheme to his strengths. There are going to still be some nice lines here. I, the big move, I think, is that he's going to benefit from the amazing routes that McCaffrey runs out of the backfield. He's, he's probably going to be targeting Samuel underneath a lot. I think it does hurt Ayuk. I think it does hurt Kittle. And yet... The upside in this offense maybe doesn't change as much as we might think when you go from a former Super Bowl quarterback 
to a late round rookie draft pick yeah it's going to be interesting sometimes we see quarterbacks coming in and you know doing a job on that game and then as the season goes on they get find out a little bit but i do think in a situation where i don't think he was expecting to be thrust into the accident quite the way he was here i, I thought he'd done a, a serviceable job and we'll see how he does going forward but you mentioned mccaffrey i think he was the the key to this to allow purdy to get some of those quick passes out and let him do the work after the the catch and, and keep the chains moving but interesting game for a number of different reasons but that is going to get us to the end of this our sunday recap portion of week 13 we will be coming back to talk indianapolis dallas pittsburgh atlanta i thought the las vegas game had a lot of talking points we'll be talking about that the giants we're talking about all the games including my good buddy christian watson's big performance against the chicago bears but that will be on the tuesday edition of the road of his overtime podcast thank you for tuning in today but sean before we go i know we have some exciting news for people who maybe are very tempted to, to sign up for a road of his nfl pass but haven't done so already let us know what what you've on offer here yeah well it, we're down to the end of the season right and so i think that people who in most cases wanted to do that big one year subscription and get that 10% off have probably done so. But there are a lot of listeners who maybe want to just dip one toe in the water. And so we're changing the coupon code for December. The other thing here that can be really awesome for you, a great Christmas present. I mean, who doesn't want to get fantasy goodness in December for their special family members or you know, you got that brother-in-law maybe that you don't like, and you're like, we'll set him up with a road of his subscription, see how he likes that. But no, the new code will be RV Radio 2022 still, but you get 25% off instead of 10% off, 25% off a one-month subscription. Get a chance to check the site out down the stretch. Maybe you want to see what the tools have to offer for you. Maybe you're simply thinking that December is going to be a very exciting time. We had a real boost to all different elements of the site last year the downloads for the shows all of that because of the run-up to week 17 and the best ball tournament championship we don't know what is in store for all of those teams this year column but one of the interesting notes last season is even our run to the second place finish in the best ball tournament we were getting hammered by the overtime listeners in the listener leagues this year we have been able to get or at least look like we're going to be able to get some small measure of revenge we are currently leading <laughs> one of the two super flex tournaments we were in the first second running in the big 125 dollars best ball listener league for a while but unfortunately column and i don't think this is going to come as a surprise to people that team was eviscerated by injuries i think still fourth and maybe if the two or three players who are still healthy score 50, 60 points next week, maybe we can get across in that one. But no, the listener league is going well. A lot of fun there. We appreciate everyone who's participated. If you haven't and you want to next year, it's never a bad time to let Column know and get yourself on the waiting list. But yes, the coupon code RV Radio 2022 will get you 25% off your one month subscription to Rotoviz so you can check out the site as the 2022 season rolls to its exciting conclusion yeah and uh, you mentioned the basketball element of it i would recommend checking out the basketball tools even though the draft season is over you get an idea of what you can 
use for your advantage next year you can go in and see the the different tools for underdog for the ffpc be able to read all sean's content all the other articles and content up on the website and see uh see what edges you can have as you head into next season if you're not looking to this season but if you're looking to your week-to-week dynasty leagues your playoffs here highly recommended that is rv radio 2022 at checkout of a one month nfl subscription that is going to do it for today's edition of the show my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland and of course you can check out sean's work up on rotaviz.com today's show has been brought to you by blue wire and WinBet. and until we are back on the tuesday edition have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.